in case you missed it, my book Anatomy of Abundance hit the market and it is officially an Amazon bestseller. We couldn't have done it without your help. Thank you for being here and supporting me. If you haven't picked up your copy, pick it up today. Learn how to transcend the limits of scarcity and rewrite your life's narrative, transforming it into a story of boundless prosperity and fulfillment with Anatomy of Abundance. Join renowned author Petrina Wisdom and 16 Brilliant Minds on a Transformative Journey. Discover awe-inspiring narratives and empowering strategies to attain abundance in relationships, career, health, and wealth. Every purchase breathes life into a remarkable cause, donating book proceeds to the Shine Organization. Shine Organization empowers sex trafficking survivors to break free from scarcity, fear, and past traumas, and boldly create their own unique path to abundance through entrepreneurship. Buy your copy today. You're listening to Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast where we spotlight women who've gone from managing to mastering life's challenges and the badass practitioners that are changing the way we heal. I'm Dr. Sabrina Nicole, psychologist, coach, author, and speaker. But more importantly, I'm a woman who had my own journey to mastering chronic pain. You don't need to be stuck anymore. Fuck that. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. My guest today is Fitz Kohler. She is a lot of amazing things. She says she's noisy, bossy, compelling. Fitz Kohler of Fitznitz.com is the author of multiple books, including My Noisy Cancer Comeback, Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong, and Healthy Cancer Comeback Journal, a busy keynote speaker, a professional race announcer, and a fitness expert. Her company, Fitness International, has a global reach, and she's conquered every avenue of mass media to help people live better and longer. Welcome, Fitz. Thank you, Sabrina. I'm so happy to talk to you today. Thanks for having me on your show. Thank you for being here. I think, you know, we have to give our testimony, and this will be your testimony, and hopefully this will help someone on their journey. You know, I can't wait to hear more about your book and your journey to overcoming cancer. Yeah, yeah, that's a long bumpy road, but it's very doable and you know the reality is is if I, I I hope I hope none of your listeners have cancer right now. That's that's the goal, right? That 0% of them are facing cancer, but I have faith that 100% of your listeners love somebody with cancer. Cancer is rampant. It's worldwide. It has no prejudice. It just goes after everybody it can. And, and, you know, we have to be unified and aggressive in beating it off, beating it back, beating it up and, you know, taking our own health into our own hands as we can. Exactly. Exactly. And, and how did j- your journey start? You know, like what, how old were you when you were diagnosed? If you m- don't mind sharing what type of cancer you had? Sure, sure. So I think I was 42, <laughs> I think. And I I had a clean mammogram in December of 2018. Crystal clear, there was nothing there. And then about seven weeks later, I was at a race weekend to run a race. I got out of the shower and I rubbed my under boob. I just had the, an itch and I scratched and I, I found it. Seven weeks later, I had a sizey tumor. 
And I immediately picked up the phone and this is, you know, there's all these little messages in there, but number one, I want people to know that those annual exams are a must. They're not an, they're not an option. They're not a, maybe you must get them done. And then you have to follow up and just be diligent with your own body. Because if I had let this go till my next mammogram, I'd be dead. So weekly self-exams, you take your hands, you put them in your shirt, you squeeze your stuff, you put them in your pants, you look in the mirror, you're constantly checking your body. And if you see something, say something. So I found that very scary little bump in my breast out of the shower. And I immediately called the doctor standing there naked in the bathroom. I said, I found a lump and they got me in pretty quickly. And so within about a week's time, I had some appointments, another mammogram, an ultrasound and a biopsy where they, uh, a surgeon called and said, Fitz, I'm so sorry, but that mass is cancerous and you also have several cancerous lymph nodes. It's already spread. So it is moving you, moving through you like wildfire. We need to treat you immediately and aggressively. And they did. I ended up with 15 months of chemo, which is a very, very long time to have chemo and 33 rounds of radiation, some surgery. And I'm so grateful to be on the other side of it. But boy, was it a whirlwind. 15 months of uh, physical chaos, ups and downs. It was hard, but it was doable. And I'm so grateful that I was curable. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And did what kind of supports did you have? Did you have like family and friends nearby that was supportive? Like what was your go-to to get you through? Because I'm thinking 15 months. Yeah. Like this, this is grueling. That sounds just like... It well, was. What choice do you have, you know? That's right. What yeah. choice do you have? And, and so if you... If anyone's ever had a tequila hangover or <laughs> violent stomach bug, I, that's what I lived with pretty much every day for mm. for the whole time. It was rough, but um, I my kids were teenagers, so I tried not to burden them too much. I wanted them to be able to be kids and not be scared. My husband was top notch. Uh, he took me to almost every appointment until the appointments came where I said, no, don't come. It's just radiation. I don't need you there. It's 15 minutes. It'll be fine. But <laughs> He was, he was hardcore on duty. And I tell you what, I, uh, I'm so grateful because there were times where I was so sick. If somebody didn't bring me a drink, I wouldn't have had a drink. So it, it really pains me and concerns me for people that that are going through cancer and living alone. And if you know someone like that, please check in on them often and don't even ask what they need. Just show up with food, show up and do their laundry, mow their lawn, whatever, whatever you think it takes, because Oh, boy, do you need support when you're doing cancer? Yeah. And what were you doing professionally at the time of your diagnosis? Yeah. So the thing I was doing were the things that I, I live for, that I love. I was traveling the country doing keynotes and traveling the country as a professional race announcer. So that means I man the start and finish lines of some of America's largest, most iconic running events. So Los Angeles Marathon, Buffalo Marathon, Big Sur, Fargo, you name it, all these big towns, they had 20, 30,000 athletes gather. And I was doing that when I got, when I was diagnosed and I decided almost immediately that, you know, cancer was going to steal my hair. I knew it was going to steal some of my good feelings. It was not stealing my career. I had worked too hard for the position I was in. It's coveted. The races I announce are coveted. The, the stages I stand on are coveted and I had earned those positions. So I just decided come hell or high water, I was going. And so I, I got on a, <laughs> about 30 planes out of my hometown of Gainesville, Florida to fly across the country while sick. Yeah, I took my bald head on the road and I continued doing the thing I love to do. And, and Sabrina, this is the real magic of it. And 
I have this career I love. Maybe y'all have a career you love, or maybe you just have things you love. You love gardening or you love bike riding or music, whatever it is. The purpose is you have to keep going with those things. Do not give up, hide out, like the whole COVID mentality where we're just going to isolate. That is so detrimental to your mental health and your physical health. So for me, even though traveling sick was very, very hard, once I stepped onto my stages, serving the events I loved or providing the messages I loved to these incredible people, every single thing that was wrong with me disappeared. I wasn't sick. I wasn't Mm. exhausted. I wasn't suffering. I was full-blown Fitz Kohler again. And that's the beauty of having passions and sticking with them even in the hard times because they will drag you out of your funk. They will allow you to focus on something else, allow you to experience joy. And even though cancer is terrifying and I cried every day, I'm not, I'm not going to brush over that. It was really hard, but I would cry. I would get out, get it out. And then I'd get on with it. And those decisions to not only pursue my career, but be with my kids whenever they had a special moment, they really, I think that's what allowed me to survive. Because if I would have just been completely sad and scared the whole time, there there would have been no point. I'm just thinking about all the mental wherewithal that it takes to to do what you did and not just kind of curl up in a ball, you know, yeah, and not move. What was it? I mean, you were trained as an athlete. You've been doing fitness. So I'm sure you've been working. The mental aspect was just part of your natural routine before the diagnosis, I'm assuming. So yeah, that mentality of this is hard, this hurts, but keep going is certainly, I can point to my fitness and athletic experiences for that. But really, I'm so grateful for all of my previous failures. So when I was a kid, I would run for office in high school, or I would try out for all of these different teams. I just wanted to be on a team. I wasn't a great athlete in high school and I got cut from a lot of teams and I didn't get elected to all the positions I wanted. And I would come home and my mom would say, it's okay. It's building character. And I would say, I'm enough of a character. I don't want any more character. (laughs) And and there's obviously in my professional career, there's been, you know, times where people told me no or disappointed me. And That really is the best education, that resiliency that you build up by being rejected and having to move forward anyways and not give up. And I had a really profound experience in an MRI before I started treatment. So my very first thing I did was chemo. First thing I did was chemo. The last thing I did was chemo. And uh, I had to go in for an MRI the Friday before I started chemo on Monday. And it was a mandatory thing. I had to do it. And I'm claustrophobic. And if anybody has ever had an MRI, you know, they, they shove you in this little tube and you normally they lay you on your back and you, and they shove you in this little tube and then Thor comes on the outside and bangs his hammer. Bang, bang, bang. It's not, a, <laughs> it's not a fun time, especially if you don't want to explosive. Yeah. yeah. So I go into the MRI room and I'm already kind of wound up just thinking, oh God, how am I going to get through this? And instead of lying me down on my back, the tech, she says, okay, get up and lie on your face like Superman with your arms above your head. And I was thinking, what? No, no. I go on my back. She said, no, lie on your face like Superman. And I do. And I get in this weird position. And then she takes these clamps and she she literally like my boobs are hanging through the space in the table. And then she pins me in, boom, boom, clamps me down by my boobs, 
Now I'm on my face pinned down in this crappy little dollar store version of a massage face cradle. That's where my face is. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm just thinking, oh no, oh no, oh no, you know? And uh, she didn't even tell me to put, I had long hair at the time. She didn't say, put your hair back. I was just kind of a mess. I could have cracked my back, little things to get comfortable. She just said, get up. And I did it. And then she shoved me into the machine and I full blown freaked out. I was kicking and screaming and flailing and crying and begging. I lost my mind. And I'm so type A. I never lose control, but there I was. And I just, that that stress from my cancer diagnosis and everything, it just boiled up and I lost it. So she drags me out. And instead of being nice now, she's yelling at me. She's saying, I don't have time for this. I stayed late for you. And they're not going to give you chemo unless you get this test. You have to do it, blah, blah, blah. And you're wasting my time. And I am just begging her saying, let me do it. I promise I'll do it. I just, I I need to put my hair back and I need to crack my back and uh, just give me a moment. So I do those things. I take off the socks and I'm a modest girl, but I was basically like naked. So I didn't have anything else touching me. Right. I had my little undies on, I think as she pushed me back in the machine. And so in there was probably some of the most challenging moments in my entire life. I was in that machine for 45 minutes and I had to stay. I wanted to scream and cry and freak out. I, my, my, every ounce of my being was wanted to lose it again, but I, I couldn't. So I got in my own head and thankfully Fitz Kohler in my head is pretty cool. And she started saying, you, you know what, calm down. You can do this. You, you have raised two great kids. You have built a global business. You used to be a competitive kickboxer. You can do hard things. You've done lots of hard things. Just get, just hang in there. You got this. And so for 45 minutes straight, that voice in my head kept saying, you can do this. You can do hard things. Da, da, da. And she went through the laundry list of things I'd accomplished. And you would think I was a lunatic psychopath the way I was talking, but I needed that. And so uh, she got me through it. And 45 minutes later, I, I <laughs> they let me escape the machine and I cried again. But what I found is even though I did have that uh, support here in my family and so many friends cared about me, nobody could take any of the weight off of my plate. Every time I sat down for chemo, I had to take the pokes. I had to take the drugs. I had to take those zaps. And when cancer is a very lonely experience because people want to help, the things you'd love to to not have, they can't do for you. So I hope people don't have to wait for cancer to start talking themselves up. I think it's a, a really ugly part of our society where we say things like, you're not good enough and they don't want you and you should just go home or you're too big or you're too this. No, no, no. That voice in your head has to be your greatest ally. You have to train that voice in your head to say, you are awesome. I've seen you in action. You've done hard things before. Let's go for it. Let's ask for the raise. Let's pursue a new job. Let's reach out and meet that man or that woman across the bar. You know, and we have to be our own greatest advocate because I mean, just, just nobody else can do these things for us. So the mental game was vital with cancer along with that physical game. And if you, if you have the mental and physical game going on without cancer, boy, are you an unstoppable creature. I love that idea of really talking yourself up now. Don't wait till you get something, you know, a diagnosis or something tragic happens. Like we need to be building ourselves up now so that when those things happen, we can access it on demand. Like, okay, we've been here before. We've been challenged before. We've got this. And I love the fits in your head. She's like, oh no, let me run it down for you. (laughs) You are amazing. You've done amazing things. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, so my people, my, my fans, followers, friends, whatever you want to call them, 
they do a thing, we call it put the fitzy on your shoulder. And, you know, whether they're making good choices eating or they're looking for courage to go somewhere, they imagine a little fitz collar on their shoulder, you know, barking at them to do better and be better. And uh, I, I really hope people have that internal power, but, uh, but I, I'm happy to give it to you too. So I want to hear all about your books. About the books. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> I've got three and they are mm-hmm. a well-rounded group of books designed specifically to help cancer patients to and through their nonsense, whether they've got breast or brain or leukemia or bone cancer. It's, you know, there's more that unites us than divides us. And two of them are specifically for broad ranging, any sort of cancer care. So the most important one of the series, I believe, is Your Healthy Cancer Comeback, Sick to Strong. So endless studies prove that we can weaponize exercise and nutrition to help make us more likely to get to remission and less likely to have a recurrence. And so along with our Western medicine, the chemo, the radiation, the surgeries, whatever our doctors recommend, we actually do have some control over our outcomes. And when it comes to cancer, you want to take all of the help you can get. And so doctors and nurses will tell their patients, you should exercise, continue to eat right during treatment. Well, easier said than done (laughs) because cancer care is really, really hard. And so having been there and done that, also being a bona fide fitness expert with a master's degree, I guide people through, okay, this is how you handle exercise upon diagnosis, how you use it for your mental health, as long as, as well as building up your physical strength and stamina. And before you start treatment, right, you want to get as you want to be as strong as humanly possible when that treatment starts. And then here's how to keep going through the treatment. And they all won't be great days. And I don't ask anyone to run a marathon. But if you're stuck in bed, here's 50 stretches you can do in bed. Here's some strength training you can do in bed. Here's things you can do in a chair, stretches for the shower. You know, if you're like me and you're a sick person, you end up in the shower a lot. And every single time I would get in that shower, I would turn on Jerry Seinfeld so he would make me laugh. And then I would just stretch. I'd get under the water and it was it was helpful. It kept my body mobile. And if uh, if all you do is rest, like your Aunt Pam is going to tell you to do, because Aunt Pam doesn't want you to get up and go be active. She doesn't want you to go out and have dinner with your friends. Aunt Pam wants you to stay at home, stay in bed, and never move a muscle. Well, if you follow Aunt Pam's advice, you're going to lose muscle mass. You're going to get weaker. You're going to lose your stamina. Every step you take is going to be more challenging. You're going to lose your flexibility, mobility. You'd be more prone to brain strains and tears, you're going to lose your balance and make you more likely to fall. And what's more catastrophic than a broken hip along with cancer? So don't listen to Aunt Pam. You want to get, you want to get plenty of rest and Lord knows I did, but you also want to pursue whatever exercise you can. And then of course, nutrition is a powerful tool in all of our days. And, you know, I think exhibit A is when people start getting a cold, they instantly want to get those vitamin C tablets or maybe even eat an orange, right? So if you're going to use vitamin C when you have a cold or when you get on a plane, for crying out loud, if you've got cancer, let's use nutrition to its maximum benefit because it actually can make you more resilient and of course help prevent infections. And that's really one of those things is, you know, people are constantly poking needles through your body. And every time they do that, you are at risk for infection. So nutrition 
definitely important. So these books go into that stuff, acupuncture, sexual health counseling, mental health counseling, the whole gamut of you becoming an overall healthy person or maintaining your health during treatment. So that's your healthy cancer comeback. There's a companion journal called the healthy cancer comeback journal. It's full color. It's fun. It's not only a cathartic place to dump your feelings, fears, family, your diagnosis details, but there's a lot of fun stuff. You know, the questions are, what celebrity do you look like bald? For me, there was a whole bunch, but more often than not, I got crazy Britney Spears. Everyone say, you look like crazy Britney Spears. I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I also got Grace Jones and I would think, okay, sure. And then the last hundred pages of the book are a uh, place to journal your comeback from sick to strong. It's daily fitness, nutrition, exercise, sleep, logs, and then strawberry moments, which are your best part of each day, which you got to focus on. And then uh, my noisy cancer comeback is my memoir. So if you want to hear about my that shit crazy trip around trips around America with cancer, uh, hosting probably a million people that year and all the wild things that went on, it was you know, people say I cried, but I laughed a lot more and I, that makes me happy. I'm, I'm totally okay with people laughing at my expense when it comes to this cancer experience. Wow. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, any of those things in audio format? Yeah. The, the memoir, my noisy cancer comeback is in. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. I would love to listen to that. Yeah. That sounds like an adventure. Yeah, yeah. And that book is really suitable for anybody, cancer or not. I have a lot of just randoms who are, and they take interest in me, so they read the book, but they're all available wherever books are sold. And I prefer if you buy a hardcover or paperback or the three-pack, come to fitness.com. I've got good deals. That's F-I-T-Z as in zebra, N is in Nancy, E-S-S.com. I have good deals on the website and then I sign all of those books. So especially if it's a gift for someone you care about with cancer, I'd love to inscribe it for them. And I send a free gift and I package it beautifully. So my readers feel special. All right. Those, your links will be in the show notes. So tell the listeners where they can find you. Um, Are you on social media? I sure am. So my home base is fitness.com and that's everything, Uh, not only my books, but thousands of articles, hundreds of workout videos. My podcast is there. Everything to help you live better, live longer. If you want to achieve your ideal weight, the exact formula for weight loss is there for free on the cover. There's tons of free resources. So if you want to learn, I talk, I talk very plainly. I make it simple, stupid and help a lot of people achieve their fitness goals. So again, a lot of free resources at fitness.com. I'm also at fitness on Instagram and Facebook and YouTube. And I love connecting on LinkedIn as well. So if you do connect, this is what I want is do the follow and I promise quality content in return, but you have to say hello and you have to tell me you heard me on Sabrina's podcast so we can connect because I'd much rather have friends than followers. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's so important to stay connected. And it's like you have your own community when people stay, you know, connected and interact with you, you know, which is wonderful. I actually, I'm sure you do. when I travel, I get together with my social media friends. I mean, we're, or if I'm in Detroit, we go out in Detroit. I say, hey, everyone, I'm going to be there. And so it's just, it's nice to actually make real friends. So what's next for you? Ah, oh, what's next? Well, I have a bazillion races to announce, uh, tons of corporations and associations I'll be doing keynotes for. And I, I do, I love that. You know, with race announcing, I provide the fun. I make the racing experience 
welcoming and exciting and rewarding. However, when I'm speaking, then I get to impart these messages to people that I think will change their lives. And I just got one this morning from a woman who she's 45 pounds down since May and her doctor told her she could get off of her uh, her anxiety medicine. And I feel like, wow, that's that's a pretty powerful response to a 30-minute presentation. So I, I really enjoy the keynotes. All right. Any final notes um, or messages for the listeners? Yeah, folks, don't, pre- don't wait for cancer to focus on your health. Prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when illness or injury will strike. And when it does, if you are fit, and again, you don't have to be an Ironman triathlete, you just have to be the best version of you, you will recover and rebound from anything far more efficiently and effectively if you are healthy going into that crisis. If you are not paying attention to your health now and then you get hit by a bus, your road to recover may be either recovery may be non-existent or far more difficult and lengthy. So please take care of yourself. You can do hard things and uh, it doesn't have to be so hard. Thank you for that. All right, Fitz, thank you for those words of wisdom and you're sharing your story with us. For the listeners, please subscribe to the show and leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for tuning into Fuck Being Stuck, the podcast. Be sure to check out the show's notes for this episode on www.drsabrinanicole.com and follow us on social media. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. We'll be back next week with more. See you then.